I don't know if you managed to watch the conservative leadership debate in Edmonton this evening. The first official one last week's that dust up in Ottawa was in fact an unofficial one. Patrick Brown wasn't there, of course, one of the six candidates and one of the ones sort of considered to be perhaps one of those who could make a bit of a run here. Uh, Last week's was much maligned. Uh, It was very fun to watch, uh, but maligned for being quite personal. Lots of attacks between Jean Charest and Pierre Polyev, the front runners, uh, Polyev particularly. Uh, But it got pretty personal there uh, last week. So what what to expect tonight? Well, it was a very different scene in Edmonton. Uh, you know, there's Edmonton's known for its for its hockey and its footballs. It's a contact sport kind of place. Not tonight. Not on that stage. Uh, Patrick Brown, though, the Brampton mayor, was there. They began with this question. Each was asked to finish this sentence. My vision for Canada is blank. Here's Pierre Poliev and Patrick Brown. It is one where people have the freedom to take back control of their lives. That means freedom from inflation so that hardworking single mothers can afford nutritious food for their kids. Freedom from inflation so that 32-year-olds don't have to live in their parents' basements, that they can actually afford their own homes. The choice before the party is clear. Do we want an unelectable party leader who drives voters away, walks straight into liberal traps, giving unclear answers on divisive issues like abortion, and wedges conservatives against each other? Are we ready to win? I'm Mayor Patrick Brown, and I'm ready to win, and we need your help. Uh, If you mentioned another candidate by name, you got the sad trombone tonight. Uh, Patrick Brown came very close there, but didn't. Uh, Leslin Lewis, of course, Scott Aitchison, Roman Barber, and Jean Charest were all on that stage as well. Again, the format very different. Uh, They weren't allowed to mention other party leaders' names either. So no Justin Trudeau uh, mentioned today, at least not much. Well, joining me now from Edmonton with more is Dave Breckenridge, managing editor of the Edmonton Journal and Edmonton Sun and host of the 10-3 podcast. Dave, welcome to the show. That was a curious debate. Yeah, it was. It was a very curious debate. We can talk about uh, some of the the idiosyncrasies of it as we go, but I, I really found the format almost refreshing and i may be one of the few to say that because i'm used to these ridiculous federal leader debates where the candidates yell and talk over each other and these weird like three-person standoff uh, arguments that we seem to think is a good thing in canada and i really actually liked some of the format of the debate now in some cases it didn't necessarily lead to much debate back and forth it was more candidates giving statements one after another on a specific issue. Um, but I, I kind of liked, they had a, they had a segment, uh, we can get into it in a bit, but it, it involved like auction paddles where candidates had yeah. to put up their, their paddle to say, I want to talk on this issue. And they had five, five attempts to, to get in on the mix, but there were six topics. And so if you used up all your paddles too early, you were out, and Pierre Poiliev was the, was the first one to use up all his paddles, and so his opponents got to take free shots at him through the end of that segment. So I, I thought seven, it was yeah. an interesting way to approach a leader's debate. Uh, Tom Clark, formerly of Global News, of course, uh, was the moderator. It very much felt like a, like a sit-down, one-on-one interview with all six candidates at times, all getting asked the same questions. But, you know, it started off with some more standard questions about policy issues, uh, specifically some hot-button issues like, like abortion. Um, 
And then it went off into sort of strange, as, not strange, it was actually quite interesting about, you know, what kind of music do you listen to? What have you read recently? What have you binge watched? And it was quite revealing. Uh, did you enjoy that part of it? I, I learned things I didn't know about each of them. Well, I, I did in part because we're looking at candidates whom the Canadian public don't know a lot about. You know, people, they know of Pierre Poiliev, what they see on TV, in Parliament, yelling at the Prime Minister, or, or you know, during the, the convoy in Ottawa, he was outside talking about these people, standing up for these people's freedoms, but they don't really know a lot about him. And obviously, when you talk about these kind of answers in politicians, they're obviously staged to a certain degree, right? There, there's, there's never any necessarily... Um, random answers but i you know the, i found it interesting the fact that that roman baber was talking about you know he he recently binge watched married with children and it was the show that when his family came to canada that's what he watched to learn how to speak english i found that interesting i found the fact that colin Aitchison is is a big brooklyn 99 fan and and it just yeah. kind of gives me a little glimpse into who they are as people um i the music question was another one that i always i always find interesting personally um, I love that question. So again, Roman Baber, big Amy Winehouse fan. But then you get to, you know, the standard politician answers. Patrick Brown wants to, to play up Alessia Cara because she's from Brampton. Or Pierre right. Poiliev playing up Paul Brandt because he's an Alberta boy. And, and stuff yeah. like that, I, you know, I always kind of shake my head at, at some of the rehearsed political answers. But in some cases, I, I think it kind of plays into to rounding these people out as people for the Canadian public because right now, we don't know a ton about at least two-thirds of them. And you're right. I mean, it, we, we want to get to know who the leader is, right? It's not just about policy. It's about personality. And I think within those questions, uh, there was quite a bit about just sort of, and they were spontaneous. People had to think of things on their feet that they probably hadn't prepped for. And I don't think anyone yeah. prepped for what it, What did you binge watch? It was interesting <laughs> that Polly had binge watched a docuseries on, on Trotsky and seemed really angry about it. Um, you know, it was, uh, it was, there were some interesting answers in there. What did you, there was, there was a, quite a bit of substance in there as well. One of the interesting, uh, exchanges i thought at one point was a that that pierre polyev does as, as again or twice in this debate talked about firing the bank of canada governor uh tiff macklem which uh which i don't think we i mean he still has seven years so uh, or not seven years but he has seven years it was a strange approach and then he got nailed on bitcoin which was also quite interesting it's strange that with affordability clearly where he's connecting with people that he would continue to talk about the bank of canada and you know digital currencies I mean, in his mind, and there may be some truth to it, that, that monetary policy is, is directly affecting the affordability of, of people's day-to-day lives. I just find it strange. I remember when there was, a, there was talk about former Bank of Canada Governor Mark Carney coming back and running for the Liberals. There was a segment of conservatism in Canada that lost its mind, that said, oh my gosh, we can't have this. We, we can't have a politicized uh, former Bank of Canada governor, this just kind of flies in the face of what the Bank of Canada is supposed to represent. It's supposed to be apolitical. And now you have a conservative politician who's saying outright, well, I'm going to get rid of the head of the Bank of Canada now for uh, running up inflation in this country. I, you know, it's it makes for a, an easy target for him as he's portrayed himself as a, as a populist candidate to say, I'm going to do away with the gatekeepers in this country and make life more affordable for you so you can get out of your mother's basement, 
so you don't have to make the choice between heating or eating. And he was using those talking points again. And that was the one thing about his performance tonight I found kind of not tiresome, but we've heard him say all that before. He didn't necessarily offer anything new on the debate stage tonight. And, and, but when it comes to the bank of Canada governor, it's, it's kind of red meat for, for this segment of conservative voters who, who may think that the gatekeepers are out to make my life really hard. It just seems like if you're trying to appeal to a broader audience, you got the sense of tonight's debate that it was almost built to try to be more appealing to a broader section of people. The first debate, the unofficial one uh, last week, was clearly for the base. It was clearly, you know, it was a conservative gathering and it was very much a lot of the talking points we've heard. Uh, this one felt like it was meant to be more revealing of who each candidate was to a broader audience. Uh, but it felt like what some of Pierre Polyev was, was, was tackling was very much the same thing. So you wonder about his his ability to expand his appeal or whether he's already figured out maybe he doesn't need it. He may not need it. I mean, the goal in this race is to sell as many memberships as you can to people who believe in what you're selling. And if he does a better job of that than Patrick Brown or Jean Charest or Scott Aitchison, then he can win this race. Um, I did find it interesting that the, you know Patrick Brown and Jean Charest and, and Scott Aitchison were really trying to appeal to middle-of-the-road voters, they, I think they may have been hoping that, that uh, non-conservative members were watching out of genuine curiosity. Sheree played up the notion that he wants to be a political home for the political homeless. Um, he, you know, we want to expand the, the conservative tent. We want, to, we want to win voters elsewhere. Patrick Brown made a big show of that, and a, a lot of his talking points was around, I can win. I can beat Trudeau. I can win in the suburbs. I can win in places like the GTA, where my he, he didn't come right out and name Poiliev by by name, but that was the message that we were getting: is is Pierre Poiliev is divisive. He's not selling a message that's going to resonate with mainstream Canadians. Whereas I can I can win those voters, and so that's where really the kind of the split in this race is. And it and it seemed to me tonight that it was basically. Poiliev on one side and Jean Charest and Patrick Brown on another. And then Scott Aitchison, I think, hoping to get his message out to more people that, that you know, maybe he's a better candidate than, than Brown or Charest, who do have their own baggage. Yeah. And then Roman Baber, of course, and Leslin Lewis uh, there as well. Mm-hmm. Did you think that Patrick, how did you think that Patrick Brown and, and, and Jean Charest did tonight? This was a big probably a big one for them. They're going to have to make an impact at some point. It feels like uh, Poiliev is, is, is in the lead and, and doesn't, do you think they've performed well enough to try and shift that tide at all? I, I mean, it's hard to say whether they'll have shifted the tide. I think the fact that it's a longer race might benefit them uh, to, to gain some momentum on Poiliev, who was, who was the obvious front runner. Um, he made a big splash when he announced and, as I said, like Patrick Brown, um, it was his first real showing for Canadian conservative voters um, who may not know his history in the Conservative Party of Canada, his uh, PC uh, of Ontario leadership, um, and being mayor of Brampton. Um, I felt that he seemed very relaxed on stage. He had a lot of good answers to to the questions that were posed to him by by Tom Clark. Um, I felt that his messaging directed in a lot of a lot of cases at Poiliev were designed to to show him as not a divisive candidate, as someone who can win with mainstream voters. And I think that in comparison, Jean Charest, you know, 
he just came off as, as quite angry and fiery at times, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but he didn't have that same kind of calm that, that Patrick Brown did. Patrick Brown was, was very much kind of, he seemed very relaxed and comfortable on that stage. And I, I think that was, um, I think key for him is a way to, to present himself as someone who can, who can take on someone like Pierre Poiliev, but not lose his cool, not let anything get under his skin. Um, and he can, he can handle the fight with, without, you know, without losing message. I'm speaking with Dave Breckenridge, managing editor of the Edmonton Journal and Edmonton Sun, host of the 10-3 podcast. We've been talking about tonight's uh, conservative leadership debate, the first official one. Last week's was a non-official one. Patrick Brown, as we were just talking about, he was there this week. He wasn't there last week. Um, when we come back, we'll uh, talk a bit more about the debate. Also talk a bit more about a big court win for um, Alberta yesterday, and uh, the Premier seems mighty happy about it. That's next. I'm speaking with Dave Breckenridge, Managing Editor of the Edmonton Journal and the Edmonton Sun, host of the 10-3 podcast. We're talking about the conservative leadership debate in Edmonton uh, tonight. Uh, Dave, I was surprised at how many things, when they were sort of given this yes-no question about no-fly zone over Ukraine, supply management, 2% of defense, 2% of GDP on defense spending. There was a lot of agreement on that stage uh, overall. There are a few areas where they don't agree, but they seem to agree on a fair amount of things. Yeah, and I... I think that's one way that, that this debate, I mean, it's, it's nice to see them stating their position on, on issues that conservative voters may be interested in uh, without yelling at each other about being corrupt or can't not have a credibility or I can't believe anything that you say or, you know, you raise taxes, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, there was a lot of agreement. I was surprised to see someone come out. Uh, Patrick Brown, I believe it was, kind of came out and and said basically, "Oh yeah, no, let's have a no-fly zone over Ukraine." I mean, he yeah. he 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 qualified that by saying, you know, we would have to push the international community. We can't do it on our own. It would have to fall under NATO. But like, even even Pierre Poiliev, who who some people may have assumed would be quite hawkish on defense, turned around and said, "Well, I'm not out here to to declare war on this stage tonight." Um, I, I did find that that segment interesting. Um, I mean, just in general, that because some of these issues are, are quite nuanced and, and maybe the general public doesn't need to know about the long and the short of supply management. They have a general idea of what supply management is and whether it's good or bad. And so just to have the candidates answer in a lightning round style actually, I think, might work for a lot of voters. The idea that do you support supply management? Yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. Because at the end of the day, the bulk of the, the voting group either in this leadership race or in the public as a whole isn't going to spend much more time thinking about that other than it, do they support it yeah. yes or no and and, and so it does, the, it does work in a lot too. of ways and it helps the debate move along quickly um without getting too bogged down in in um minutiae i guess uh quick quick question before i jump to the to the next subject we actually i didn't leave much time for it but so did you think there was a winner tonight was there anyone who who or, or at least someone who didn't lose tonight um I, I think like if you were looking at people who didn't lose like scott Aitchison didn't lose because he stood out and and he he made a, a genuine passioned pitch for c- civility within the party and and him being the candidate to bring everybody together Sheree and and Brown needed to have a strong performance here because I think that for a large segment of the country, they're either unknown or or forgotten um, and needed to remind people of who they are. Um, I I think in terms of, you know, maybe who didn't have the best performances of the night, just because they're 
I don't think they're seen as front runner candidates. And, and if they needed to get themselves out there a little more, I, I don't think Roman Baber and Leslin Lewis did themselves any favors tonight. Leslin Lewis looked kind of shaky on some of the, the free for all questions. Um, and, and Baber just seemed to have kind of one, one note argument, like I have freedom and no lockdowns and, and low taxes. And that was kind of it for him. Yeah, it was interesting that way. Yeah, I agree. I, I didn't think there was, there was any standout. I thought, uh, uh, Paul Oliver essentially stood his ground, and uh, and Charest should worry about Patrick Brown. I think I, I feel like Patrick Brown uh, might be taking up some of that space. And who's the electable other? Who's the other candidate mm-hmm. in this race? Will be interesting to see. Uh, a big speaking of victories, and I will have about three minutes left, so I apologize. But uh, Jason Kenny was in a good mood yesterday, uh, pumped. He said, without irony, about that court decision. Um, what do you make of that? What's been, what's been the mood there? Do they think this will be different from the uh, from the uh, carbon tax Supreme Court decision? Is there an idea that this actually might go Alberta's way? Well, I, re- I remember that there was a lot of confidence in Alberta when when the Alberta Court of Appeal said that the the carbon tax was unconstitutional and infringed on provincial jurisdiction. And so, going into the Supreme Court. There was a lot of confidence in Alberta, and then, as we all know, that the Supreme Court said, "No, no, the, the federal government is fine to do that." I think there's a maybe this because it's, you know, the federal government can levy taxes, whereas this potentially potentially does infringe on provincial jurisdiction when it comes to approving energy projects, right? Yeah. That the idea that um, or managing resources, because I know there's federal oversight on on energy projects that. You know, we may have a better case before the Supreme Court, but at the end of the day, it's really hard to say because I know as the Supreme Court on the carbon tax file said, well, the federal government does have jurisdiction here and they can do that. So maybe the the carbon tax case could be seen as as uh, a preview of what's to come. But I, I think for people out west who don't want the Fed sticking their nose in areas of provincial jurisdiction, it was a good day. You know, the. This was a bill C-69, which the Alberta Court of Appeal ruled on, was a bill that was opposed by both the United Conservative Party and the New Democrats here. They didn't want the federal government sticking their nose in on this. So I, I think for Jason Kenney, it is a good day, and it's, he, he needs victories like that right now. And it will be interesting to see. I mean, it's going to take several months before this is decided, no doubt, probably uh, not before the end of the year. But uh, in terms of the assessments, it's going to be interesting. I, I guess there's some debate now, and we only have about 30 seconds left, but some debate now over whether it was binding or not, this decision. I, I think the general consensus is it's not binding as of right now, that the law is still in place and the Supreme Court would be the decision on it. But I, I know that there were cabinet ministers in Alberta who were cheering the fact that the law was struck down today. And I guess we'll, we'll see how, how that goes for them over the next little while. But my, my read of some of the commentary on it is that, no, it's not binding right now. The Supreme Court has to weigh in. Dave Breckenridge, thank you so much for your time tonight. A fascinating debate. And I will, some of those questions I was pitching earlier about your favorite 80s song to describe your adolescence, we'll, uh, we'll talk about those next time. Awesome. Thanks, Ben.